Lord, increase our faith. Couldn't we all use just a little bit more faith? Wouldn't a touch more faith be a really good thing to have? If we had just a tiny bit more, we wouldn't worry as much, would we? We wouldn't worry about the economy and the stock market and whether our retirement savings will hold up. We wouldn't worry about politics or elections or Supreme Court rulings. We wouldn't worry about our spouse or our children or our neighbors or our pets if we just had a little bit more faith. If Jesus would give us a little more faith, we wouldn't have such a hard time making our lives look the way God wants them to look. We wouldn't struggle to find the ability to give away that money, that time, that energy, that devotion as freely to God's work in the world as we would like to give them. If we had just a bit more faith, we wouldn't find ourselves wishing that this world were a better place without actually caring enough about it to make a difference. If we had more faith, we wouldn't feel pulled so sharply between the demands of this world and the demands of God's vision for it. If we just had a little more faith. Lord, increase our faith. With a bit more faith, temptation wouldn't be so hard. Sin wouldn't be so stubbornly difficult. And whenever we fell, we wouldn't fall so far. We'd always have the confidence to get up and brush ourselves off and repent and return to the Lord if only we had a little bit more faith, if only Jesus would give us more faith. For several weeks now, you might have noticed that Jesus has been on a tear about what it means to belong to God and God's reign, to be a part of God's vision for the world. Over the last several weeks of gospel lessons, Jesus has told us that if we want to follow him, we will have to hate our families. We will have to pick up our cross and follow him. Jesus has made it clear that we will have to give up any claim on earthly possessions in order to partake in heavenly treasure. Jesus has reminded religious folks like you and me that our traditions and our status don't really count for all that much and that actually it's the people around us who suffer who know best what it means to belong to God. No wonder the disciples are asking for more faith. If our entrance into the kingdom of God is even half as narrow or difficult as Jesus has made it out to be, we at all better find some more faith or else this isn't going to go well for any of us, is it? But as Jesus says, if we had faith the size of a mustard seed, We could say to one of those giant sycamore trees out front, be uprooted and planted in Lake Fayetteville, and it would obey us. We don't need more faith. Jesus tells us we need the right faith, real faith, true faith, deep faith. If we had even the tiniest speck of that sort of faith, it would be enough for God to work through us in mighty ways like a pinhole opening or the tiniest crack under a door. Faith like that, no matter how small it is, gives God an opening through which God can show up in powerful ways. 
if we want to belong to God and God's reign, if we want our lives to become an image of what God is doing in the world around us, we can stop wishing for more faith and start looking for that kind of faith that once it takes hold in our hearts, it begins to transform us into vessels for God's work in the world. Perhaps the best way to find that sort of faith is to take a good look inside, to take a good, hard, and honest look at our spiritual posture, at the way we find ourselves approaching God. Are we looking for ways to make God's kingdom come? Or are we looking for ways to belong to that kingdom that God has already brought to the world in Jesus Christ? Do we seek a life that manifests our faith in God, or do we dream of inheriting whatever life God is calling us to? Now, there's not a big difference between those two examples of faithfulness, nor do I think there's a really big difference between the faith of the disciples and the faith that Jesus invites them to find. On the surface, the only difference seems to be perhaps a one of degree, But if we're going to have the kind of faith that Jesus envisions for us, the kind of faith that moves mountains, we're going to have to find that narrowest of sweet spots of believing in God in the kind of way that allows God to take over, to take over our lives, our whole being, and to use us in ways more powerful than anything we could imagine all by ourselves. I think that's why Jesus responded to the disciples' request for more faith with the provocative and problematic image of a slave coming in from the field. We cannot encounter this analogy without remembering the horrors of human bondage and acknowledging its legacies which are still active and real today. We cannot hear Jesus hold up the identity of a slave as something we are supposed to pursue without also admitting that there is nothing good or right or holy about one human being owning another. Now, many English translations change the way we hear that word slave and render it as servant perhaps to let us off the hook a little bit, but actually probably to suggest to us that the kind of slave Jesus would have known about isn't the kind of chattel slave we associate with the American context, but something more like an indentured servant. But if we look at the analogy Jesus uses, no matter how soft we try to make it, it is clear to us that that servant or slave didn't get to decide how he wanted to spend his time that evening, did he? Nor was he likely to receive any appreciation for the work he did. And that's not the kind of life Jesus calls us to, surely. Now, part of me wishes that we could retranslate this little parable of Jesus and tell a different sort of story, maybe one about a parent and a child or a teacher and a student or an officer and a soldier. But, but those analogies don't quite convey what I think Jesus actually wanted to convey to us. The issue at hand is not how we are treated or whether we are thanked. Because having the right kind of faith and being a disciple of Jesus doesn't mean enduring miserable, thankless work. But Jesus, 
in order to get across to his fairly comfortable audience, an audience like us, in order to get across to us what it means to belong to God fully, Jesus pushes the boundaries of belonging beyond the place where we find it comfortable on into that area where none of us really wants to be. Because there is nothing comfortable about belonging to God and God's reign. That's what Jesus has been trying to teach us for the last several weeks. No matter how hard we try, and no matter how lofty or pure our ambitions may see, we cannot belong completely to God on our own terms. We must instead give ourselves over completely and unreservedly to the vision that God has for our lives and for the world. And thanks be to God that when we stop trying to fit the kingdom of God into the expectations or desires of our hearts and instead allow our hearts' desires to be shaped by God's vision for our lives, something happens and real faith starts to take hold. And as soon as we make enough room for that crack or that pinnacle or that seed to be planted, good things start to happen because that's what the gospel of Jesus Christ looks like. This whole long series of teachings about what it means to be a disciple and what it looks like to belong to God's reign has been Jesus' attempt to get us to forget our place in this world so that we can find our place in God. When Jesus tells us that we have to forsake our families and forsake our wealth, Jesus is not saying that only orphans and poor people get into heaven. But he is showing us that our attachments to this world must dissolve completely if we are going to know and experience true union with God in the next world. To answer that radical call, we don't need more faith. We need deep faith, real faith, alive faith. And the good news is that even the tiniest amount of that faith is enough. As soon as we begin to find the ability to believe that God's will for our lives and for the world is the only thing that matters, everything starts to open up in a whole new way. Now, it's not easy. No one said it would be easy, least of all Jesus. But once that tiniest seed begins to take root, and we catch a glimpse of the power of God working through us, that crack begins to widen and that pinhole opens up, and pretty soon God is using us to move mountains. Even the toughest barriers and impediments that seem to be standing in the way of the life that God is calling us to, even they begin to crumble. That's what happens when faith takes over. That's what happens when we belong to God. Faith like that takes over when we let go. That faith moves in when we get out of the way. When we stop telling God what we think God is supposed to be doing in the world, God will start showing us how God's transformation is already taking place and how the invitation is open for us to be a part of it. When we stop looking for the kind of faith that enables us to do what we think is best and start asking God to give us the sort of faith that trusts in God with our whole being, 
we begin to see just how powerfully God is at work even through us. We don't need any more faith than what we've been given. In Christ, we've already been given enough. All we need is to see it. Thanks be to God. Amen.